Welcome to episode 16 of Yo MTV Taps. These are your hosts. I am Big Head Joe. Sitting to my right is... Oh, you're going to do this. Fine. <laughs> Sitting to my right is Joe Pasco. Joey Pasco, a.k.a. Affinity for Blue on the Twitter. And we have two Joes, right? We have our special guest co-host today, Dave Heilker from O2Drop.com. That's Zero2Drop.com. Um, he is Dave Rockstar on Twitter. Yeah. Hey, what's up? It's going down. <laughs> so, we're chilling out. Um, talk, well, actually, we've been talking for about yeah. five minutes about these spoilers, and then we decided we should probably hit record. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's going well, on? Do you, do you want to start off? Uh, I actually wanted uh, Dave to kind of introduce yourself uh, sure. and maybe a, a quick rundown of like your magic history and um, and then a little bit about O2 Drop. Sure, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been playing... Um, Mostly on since I was like fourteen. I'm like tw- I'm gonna be twenty nine this year, so like almost fifteen years. Um, right around since the time of uh, right, like Dark was still in stores. Right, right. Um, Dark was still at an yeah, uh, alternate universe. Yeah, you could get, <laughs> seven dollars a pack. Exactly, you could actually get you could get Legends Italian Legends packs for like fifteen bucks a pack, and I was oh, like, yeah. what a rip off! I'm not touching that. You know, like, so, so that's about when I started. Um, I like I you know I played with you guys like for the longest time and just had no idea that you guys were the ones behind MTG Taps until we talked. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, you know, it's uh, I took like a five year break between onslaught and somewhere in the neighborhood of Future Sight, and uh, and came back because of you know the most preposterous story ever. <laughs> I, had, I had a dream about Monored, like I was telling you guys earlier. <laughs> Called my friend up and was like, "Dude, does this work?" And he was like, "Yes, you know why?" And so, <laughs> you know, uh, showed up at the Sunday tournament, and you know, I've been playing again since, you know, pretty steadily. Um, we started O2 Drop, I guess it was the first week in February when we, we went live with it. Um, and that's just like the number zero, the number two, drop.com. There's no hyphen, just hype. Boom. <laughs> you nice. yeah. Um, so, uh, so we, we started O2 Drop kind of like, I guess what we had in mind was a lot of players, a lot of like, you know, uh, not, I don't want to say casual players, but players who aren't on the Pro Tour yet, um, have a lot of good stuff to say and like know a lot about magic and are good players, but like the fact of the matter is just not everyone can have a, you know two thousand rating and not everyone can qualify for a pro tour so the idea was you know like let's let 's pull some knowledge um you know we 're not as 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 glitzy as you know some of the other sites we don 't have you know the big names as some of the other sites but um you know we 've got a lot of solid sound theory you know strategy good tournament reports for the most part um and, you know, some really strong writers. So that's that's kind of, like, our vision is just kind of be, like, we're not really selling anything, we're not really pushing anything, but we're we're, we're here and, 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 you know, giving, you know, sound strategy advice. And just, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's a million different sites, but, I mean, for quality, you're looking at, like, two or three for strategy articles. Right. And so we kind of we kind of figured that it's, it's a good, it's kind of a good pool to jump into, even if there are some really big fish. Um, you know, it's, it, we can we can certainly uh, position ourselves well in that in that arena. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with like building from the ground up, for sure. You know, yeah. like see where it goes. I mean, if it's well, we've been pushed record one day, and yeah. you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> we're, it's just like let's do this; it will be fun. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, and you know now people actually listen to us, which is cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> holy crap! Seriously, like it's uh, it's surreal. Um, and one one of the things I really like about O2 Drop is, um, I mean, obviously it's you know local players. You right, know? right, right. And, we know we recognize most of the players. Right. You know, so the articles. It's people that we we play. You know, whenever we show up to Legends, I was going to say on a weekly basis, but we don't play every Sunday. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, it, you know, it's people that we've played though frequently, and it's and it's, <laughs> it's interesting in that way. 
for me personally. And plus, it, you know, the articles are good. So it's, so it's cool to like have that going on. And plus, it's cool to have something local because, you know, I'm definitely yeah. a Baltimorean. So like, I love to see things developing here. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to read about what's going on in New York because it just makes me wish I lived in New York. You know, right, it's nice right. to like, know that like I don't need to leave, <laughs> like to like to have like exciting stuff going on with magic. You know, right? Um, and there was like there was a time, uh, you know, right around uh, maybe the nineteen ninety nine through two thousand two, where like the the like Delaware Virginia Maryland corridor was just like we were we had a really solid we had like back to back to back national champs. Um, and and just we're we're really solid core, and then I feel like there's been kind of a wane in that, but I feel like I mean that's one of our goals is kind of be like the regional guys, you know. I mean eventually we'll expand out and like we'll want to you know have people who you know correspond with us for California. We have we have members who are from you know as far north as as like Vermont right now, um, and as far south as Florida, but we're kind of just like you know we've got kind of a regional flavor, um, and and. You know, if we can build out from that, great. If not, it's nice to know that, like, you know, Baltimore guys and Virginia guys, if there's something going on, at least, you can find out about it. Obviously. Right. We can right, all right. coordinate yeah. in, exactly. the, in the area. And, like, you know, obviously it's not something that is just limited to people in sure. this area, but right. it's it's certainly, you know, specialized in a way where, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to find out, like, you're not going to have a link to, like, the Indianapolis Grand Prix sure. or, or the Indianapolis 5K or whatever, Absolutely. you know, you're going to have links to like, you know, more regional based sure. events, which is great. I mean, that's a good source for people in our area mm-hmm. to get information on what's going on locally, which right. I think is really important. Uh, kind of consolidates all of that sort of thing into one space, which sure. is nice. Um, and you, you mentioned this to us earlier. You're going to be at uh, GPDC, right, you guys? Yeah, we uh, we, we have a table uh, at, at Grand Prix DC, um, so we'll be there. We're going to do something like, I, I guess uh, the ideas right now are we're going to do like maybe any format gunslinging, so you can come up with a vintage deck or an extended deck or a legacy deck or an EDH deck or a standard deck and, you know, challenge one of the guys at the table to win a pack. Um, we've got to work out like the, the, you know, the sponsorships on the packs, whether we're going to just like, you know, go ahead and... and pay for the packs and bring them in, or if we're going to try to work out some sort of, like, uh, uh, kind of cross-pollination with some of the, the dealers who are there. Um, but either way, there will definitely be stuff to be to be won. You know, you can win T-shirts, and, and you guys will, you know, have stickers at the booth and maybe some T-shirts and stuff. And right, right. It'll be cool. Uh, anything that we do with, with, with regard to branding um, will be available. We're not, you know, we're not hawking anything, so, you know, no one's going to have to shell out any cash for anything. Um, but it'll it'll be nice to kind of just be able to come there and, and and kind of shoot the breeze with some of the people locally because I mean it should be a lot of a lot of this region kind of coming up and then we'll get the rare you know like the the out of town pros who'll be in and stuff and that's, it'll be nice to kind of talk with them and pick their brains too yeah, yeah. definitely um, did did you want us to do any gunslinging at that or I mean like? yeah if you guys are down like I mean you know uh, uh, if you guys are not playing at you know a certain point in the tournament exactly. or day two and none of us make it because we all owe to drop or something then sure you know feel free to come by and and you know pick up a deck or bring your own or whatever mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll have stuff on site the uh, um, and someone there watching stuff vigilantly too yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there be, there is some power there and stuff but um. Uh, we'll have guns, so don't try to rob us. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, We're not yeah. actually bringing guns yeah. to the, uh, no, the disclaimer. To the Grand Prix not war. actually having a gun, or are we? It's <laughs> <laughs> like at the bank. There's little chains to yeah. each card, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll have holes punching each card. We'll try our best to shuffle them, but at some point, you can't randomize it when there's chains. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it should it should be a really good time. It's going to be our first like 
major, major event. Um, we're, we are doing the new Standard Open, which you guys, you know, had, had talked about when we originally posted about it uh, on May 1st. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that is something that we should mention. Uh, right, yeah, go, we, go for it. Yeah, so um, we're doing, uh, the O2 Drop, rather, is doing something called the new Standard Open, which I don't actually think we have mentioned on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned on okay. the podcast. Um, yeah. But anyway, what it is, it's, it's you know, people's first chance to play Standard with Rise of the Eldrazi Legal. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be exciting, you know, so it's like, you know, come dip into standard mm-hmm. right away, you know, why waste any time? And of course, um, the night before I'm running a, uh, a booster draft F and M, you know what I mean? So, so, so even then there's no standard going on. It's just going to be booster draft. Right. So that'll be exciting. I think I'm definitely going to have to make it down to that. Where is yeah, that exactly? That's going to be at Xanadu Games and, uh, I've got the address here, uh, too. Um, but they're, they're basically what it is, is. It'll be it'll be the weekend after the uh, the release parties, so mm-hmm. we're not trying to step on toes of like the pre-releases and the release parties and stuff like that. Because standard will actually it'll actually be legal and standard that weekend before. What we found though is a lot of uh, you know when whenever there's like a major Saturday event, the Sunday tournaments tend to get really burned out. You know, mm-hmm. so we wanted to push for a Saturday, um, which there isn't a, there aren't a lot of local like consistent Saturday events as is. Um, so we uh, we wanted to push for a Saturday event. Uh, so we put this as May first because it's the first weekend after the, the the release, the official release. So it gives people some time to get cards. But it's going to be a big tournament because it's being at 32k. Uh, we've got Abe Corson is going to be head judging. He's, he's he judges a lot of the uh, the Star City events. He's the head judge for, and then for the uh, like the PTQs locally and and as far north as I think Philadelphia. I've seen him uh, judge there. I've seen him at you know nationals and stuff like that. He's a really good judge. You know all business. Um, the uh, the entry fee is twenty seven dollars, and uh, like I said, it's 32k. Um, and then the uh, the location is Xanadu Games. That's Xanadu uh, X A N A D U dash Games dot com, and you can get their address. But they're right in right outside of Baltimore, maybe a ten minute drive from Towson or the city. Catonsville, so right? Yeah, it's like Catonsville ish. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's a really it's a really nice store. So it's a good chance to check that out. And uh, and they've got a really nice single selection too. So cool. you know, come out and, and check us out. I'll put a link uh, to the store and the cool information in the uh, in the show notes. Great. Absolutely. Um, so you you actually mentioned uh, a couple formats, like for mm-hmm. gunslinging and things. Yeah. So I actually, it, you know, veering off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, did you or do you play Legacy? Yeah, I like Legacy's been kind of like my 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 go to format, just like you know, for just playing around or whatever lately. <laughs> um, I want to bring up the reserve list again. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. I just want to know what you thought of it. You Definitely, know? I was gonna. Yeah, I was thinking. All right, so thing. I think I guess it's I've I've really weird feelings about the reserve list because I think that. I don't think it was the greatest of ideas in the first place. Um, and I feel like, and, and I don't want to be perceived as putting words in anybody's mouth, but I feel like, uh, you know, Mark Rosewater said something to the effect, and this is a paraphrase, but he said something to the effect of, you know, when we made the reserve list, we were a young company, um, and it was to preserve, you know, preserve the confidence of collectors, um, which, w- which we felt was the best for the future of the game and for the health of the game. Um, looking back on it, <clears throat> I don't think it was a great idea, you know, or maybe it did something for us at the time, but we didn't really know, and we just we just wanted to make sure that, it, and all of it was fallout from like Chronicles, you know, yeah, which exactly. is the worst part is that like Chronicles is such like a, a poor set in general, yeah. and and like it, you have all this fallout from Chronicles and, and like people getting upset because Nicol Bolas got reprinted or something dumb, and so I understand where Wizards was coming from at the time, but then like you know what Mark Rosewater said was the I guess the uh, the paradox for him. And again, this is a paraphrase, it's not a direct quote, but on Twitter he said something to the effect of, we, we made a promise as a company to, to the collectors, and 
we also have a you know a, a responsibility to people who play now and to ourselves to do what's in the best interest of the company and the game. And these two things are are, are are unfortunately mutually exclusive. You know, this promise and what's in the best interest of the game are, are on diverging paths. And uh, if there was a way to keep the promise and also do what's best for the game, I would love to hear it because I want to I want to do that because there's we can't figure one out. Right. Um, so then then there was this all, all this much ado about it where where. Um, uh, I guess they flew out Ben Blyweiss, and I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, that's right. Close enough, anyway. And, uh, and, and Steve Menendian. Um, and, you know, certainly uh, uh, Steve Menendian, with regards to theory, I think is one of the, the high-level thinkers in Magic. Um, and granted, his, his it's mostly limited to, you know, eternal formats, but I just, you know, I love the guy. I, I, I really like to read him. He's, he's just, like, brilliant. Um, and then Ben Blyweiss, I think, is, you know, is... Is a strong uh, a strong theorist on some on some things. Some things economically, I don't necessarily agree with him on. I feel like there's a there's kind of a divergence between you know what he's writing about and and what actually happens economically. But for the most part, he's got more experience than most other people do with regards to the the economics of magic. So I'm willing to kind of kind of concede to that a little bit. Um, but basically, they flew them out as like I guess third party consultants or something, and they had this big you know meeting about the reserve list, and then they come back and they're like. They're like, so we finally decided what we're going to do about the reserve list. Drum roll, it's worse. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's like really like I mean, I, I guess like it, it upsets me because because it's like if they just left it alone, they could have kept using the loophole and it would have been fine. But like right now, it's like if I'm playing vintage and I you know I do play vintage and it's like if I want to go play in the vintage world championships. Uh, which is, I mean, it's no small task. I mean, you have to, you don't, you can't proxy in the Vintage World Championships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about coming to this tournament with, you know, five or six thousand dollars worth of cards in one deck, you know, at least. And uh, and so you come to this tournament, you win it, and you get this poster of a Mox Pearl, you know, and it's just like, like, all right, that's great. Now all I need is fifty nine other posters, and I can play against, uh, like, you know. So, Jack and the Beanstalk's friend, or whatever, you know, like, 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 what am I going to do with this? And I was talking to some shop owner, and he was like, well, do you know what one of those is worth? And I was like, $15, you know, like, I mean, like, at the end of the day, sure, you can, like, kind of name your price if you have a buyer, but if you made a one-up foil, like, I mean, it, you know, for the champion, mm-hmm. it's like, you're certainly not going to affect the value of, of you know, the, the other cards that are already in print, and all of a sudden, there's, like, there's a black lotus that's foil, and it's real. And like this one guy has it, and it's literally like I'll trade it to you for the Hope Diamond. You know, it's like the coolest <laughs> thing in Magic. You know? Yeah, right. And it's just like uh, there's other things like like they even say, you know Wizard said you know from the Vault Slivers or not from the Vault the the the, uh, uh, the yeah. special deck the Premium Deck premium Series, deck series. Um, yeah, Slivers should have had Sliver Queen, and it absolutely should have. You know, like Sliver Overlord's cool and all, but. I think Sliver Overlord's better EDH generalist. Yeah, certainly, but like, but but at the same time, people want Sliver Queen, you know, sure. what, you know, and it's like it, it, it just there's it's there's the a nostalgia. lot, of, yeah, there's a lot of things where you're just like, you know, they've, I think they've done the thing that's best for the game generally, you know, they haven't reprinted Mana Drain, they haven't reprinted Force of Will, um, you know, it, it's they it, with with very few exceptions, you know, like Wasteland hasn't seen print in, except as the you know the foil premium version, and this, those cards aren't on the reserve list. You know, they can they can reprint Caracas tomorrow. You know, they could they could reprint Force of Will or Mana Drain tomorrow. Um, it, there's there's a lot of cards. Uh, you know, anything that's an uncommon, with the exception of those Arabian Nights uncommons, because they didn't have you know real rares back then, mm-hmm. can be reprinted. But like the, <clears> these <throat> rares that are just like it's just dumb. Like Morphling is a 
bad card now. You know, like now Morphling, it is, yeah. Morphling, like like thanks to the the, the M10 combat rules, Morphling is just like like been castrated. You know, it's right. just like it's just like like what would be the harm in reprinting that card? You know, there, there there's certainly none as far as I can see, and no one's like, you know, goodness, you've you've devalued my fifteen dollar card. It's now worth. $12, you know, that's not, <laughs> collectors make up, and this is certainly not like a real research statistic, but collectors only make up maybe, only strict collectors, you know, who don't play, only probably make up maybe 15% of the market now. If I, not, I think that's even a I think that's really generous, and, and, yeah. and so, I mean, basically what you're doing is saying to 85% of people, guess what, um, have fun, you know, have fun getting your, 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 your bayous or your, your tundras or your, your underground seas, and like, that's, that's the big one, it's like, like with regards to dual lands, I don't even know why they're on the reserve list because they're they're in revised, you know. So it's like they've been reprinted several times at this juncture, you know, into up into revised. Um, why can't we have like a from the vault lands or something like that? You yeah. know, you need fifteen cards, so so you got the dual lands, and I'm not saying reprint Tabernacle, you know, because uh, you know, and actually I think it was uh, Ben Blywis on on Star City was talking about um, how if you reprint Tabernacle, you'll see the card collaterally. Uh, it'll affect peripheral cards that are that are in that deck. So like Mana Bond will become like a twenty dollar card. Right. You know, Exploration will become fifty bucks. So it'll it'll put other cards out of reach and you kinda might start this vicious spiral. But at the same time, like dual lands are just such staples in, in, right. in legacy. You know, there's there's no like like I play a deck that doesn't feature any dual lands, but it's it's mono green. So like it's like, <laughs> you know, there's 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 that. But I mean if if you want to play if you want to play even uh, you know, if you want to play Zoo, um, you need dual lands. If you want to play, if you want to play the iteration of Merfolk that features white or green, uh, you need dual lands. And it's like these, these, the, 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 especially the ones with islands are just prohibitively expensive for somebody, even somebody who's play, been playing forever and has a nice collection. I don't like, you know, I have you know some underground seas. I don't want to trade them for type two stuff. You, you, right. If you offer me two Jays and Lion Sculptors for my underground sea, I'm going to be like, go pound sand because I want to hold on to my underground seas because. At, eventually, Jace is going to rotate, and I don't use Planeswalkers in Eternal. I mean, maybe some people do, and you know, I know he's good in other formats, but like, you know, Tundra, Underground Sea, those are staples right now. You're always going to need them, and always they're always going to be good for trading. And just frankly, it's 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 a it's it's unnerving because you you you, you have all this hope for it. You know, you're, they're like they're like, hey, guess what? Frexian Negator. Urza's Rage, Masticore, they're on the yeah. reserve list, but guess what? We use the, the loophole, and it's like, it's like uh, moving forward, not only are we not going to reprint any of these cards as regular tournament, they do this never be... And the other people, the crowd that they're really affecting the most is the judges. You know, because yeah. mm-hmm. judge, judge promos, like the judges just got uh, Frexian Dreadnought and Natural Order, um, and and I guess they're getting Wheel of Fortune this year and, and something else. And Morphling. And Morphling. Right. So, like, and, and we, like I just said, Morphling is, is neutered at this point, so it'll be cool to have a Judge promo Morphling, but, like, who cares? You know, the, woo, Morphling. Like, it'll go into an EDH deck. And then, like, Wheel of Fortune is, a, like, a cool card and all, and it's an iconic card from the game, but, like, realistically, if, if we could pick any other card on the reserve list or Wheel of Fortune, I think we're probably going to lean towards something. Panther Justice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ication Town is what we want. You know? um, so it's 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 a little bit upsetting because especially because the judges are so under incentivized. I feel you know like judges get it, at most events like maybe a box and lunch. You know, yeah. and 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 then like at, at really high level events, they'll get the judge foils, and that's what they're in for. You know, these judge foils have like a really strong secondary market for the most part, especially now that a lot of the 
there's not like this huge influx of these cards, but it's mm-hmm. like like I want one of those natural orders so bad, you know. Yeah. Like, I actually want four of them so bad, and it's like and it's like the idea that there will never be like a judge promo by you or something like that. It's just, it's just like you know. Uh, and, and sure, there's plenty of other cards for them to work with. And now this does open the possibility of them doing the Judge Promo Force of Will and the Judge Promo Manager. And that's a much more realistic thing to happen now. Because yeah. they don't have to cull these weird, like, kind of uh, moderately obscure cards from the reserve list um, to give to judges. Cause they can just be like, boom, Manager, here you go. Boom, you know, uh, Force of Will, here you go. You know, whatever. But I frankly all... want to see uh, Manadrain and Rise of the Eldrazi. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. it'd be a great way to cast some Eldrazi spells. Oh, that would be it. Yeah. Can you imagine tapping 15 and just, like, <laughs> and be like, uh, Manadrain? <laughs> like, I mean, you're just like, you're just like, at that juncture, you're just like, you just do the, the B-boy stance, and you're just like, all right, now what? You know, because it's just like, and now my Ulamog comes down. Sweet. Yeah. It's so. pretty, pretty ridiculous. But you know what? You know, we have, we have draining Welk. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome though? Against, <laughs> against I mean, like, someone's casting fifteen. You can certainly get the what seven is it for, for, for draining Welk? Six, I think. Six, yes. Four and two blue. It comes yeah. in as like a nineteen nineteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like counter that, and I have a nineteen nineteen yeah. flyer. Yeah. I love draining Welk, but yeah. Yeah, it just made me think of it. Yeah, but I've, I've I've definitely seen a lot of the like conversations that you and um, MTG Metagame uh, yeah. on Twitter uh, have had about about Legacy, and he and I have talked a little bit too, and it's it's a really cool format, and it's the healthiest format there is like right now, and it's it's I don't think this new pro- policy kills it per se. You know, um, I think a lot of people have done a lot to make sure that Legacy stays healthy. But it certainly hurts, and it it, do, it does provide a really really high cost of entry to new players, and it's it's not much higher than standard. I mean, a lot of people say it is, but if you are as consistent and only strict standard player, you're spending so much money. But it's money over time. You're paying, paying in installments, yeah. you know. No, of course. But see, that's the problem. Is like, I under I understand the argument between like standard costing just as much over time as mm-hmm. it is to play legacy. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like. If you want to play standard and legacy, yeah, you're paying right. that twice sure. over. Right. And like someone like me, I work like one day a week. Yeah, I can't afford to play both. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm shocked I have <laughs> Mythic built. Like yeah. I'm like, how did that happen? Like I didn't buy any of those cards. Like I mean, I got the two Jaces on layaway from Joe, but other than that, like <laughs> I just did some good trading and like got my binder raped a few times with the. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like gone to plaid and stuff like that, like for my noble hierarchs. Um, but, but, but oh, I'm sorry. No, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say the other thing though is that standard, even though you're paying all this money over mm-hmm. time, it refreshes. It's always new. Exactly. People want to use the argument about legacy, like, well, you never have to buy. The, you know, you have you get one deck and that's it. Right. Yeah. But it's also it's one deck and that's it. Yeah, and exactly. you're really never changing it. And part of the appeal of playing standard is every time a new set comes out, there's a lot more than just you know a pair of cards sure. that are going to be relevant to your format. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that's the, well, that's the same thing. Like I mean, like I forget. I read in an article somewhere that like legacy players look to the banned and restricted list as yeah, it was in we a would podcast. Look, yeah. Oh yeah, it was it, in, like it, Monday Night Magic, or something right? Like just that. the way that we would look to a new set, you know? Right. Yeah, and like because like certain cards being banned or unbanned mm-hmm. can warp the whole format. Um, I'm looking at you and Tomb, like right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, that reanimator deck has definitely, uh, has definitely run a little wild. Um, yeah, I play mono green in Legacy, and, and Iona on green is just like, <laughs> I'm just like, well, I hope, it, like, I, I'm right now playing a crop rotation in a Caracas main deck, just in case, you yeah, know, like, yeah. um, 
But it's a, it's like it's like what you're saying with the, with regard to the way you invest. You know, I mean, sure, it's a, there's like an overtime investment with standard. But think about it this way: you buy just to buy four tundras and four underground cities, right? Um, which is let's say the bare minimum you probably want as like like a starting like don't sell or trade these cards mm-hmm. in legacy. Um, you, so you've got four four uh, four underground cities, which certainly could could very reasonably be a hundred dollars by the time this goes up. You know, by the time this podcast goes goes right. Up. Um, and then you've got four four tundras, which are let's say let's say in in kind of beat up condition are sixty five bucks each, right? So you're at four hundred, and then what's that one thirty one thirty? That's a uh, two sixty, so it's six hundred sixty dollars. Now imagine, um, you know, you have six hundred sixty dollars, and you haven't even started building a deck yet. You know, like six hundred sixty dollars in, and you've got like. And you've got the base, uh, you know, the base of the mana base. Right. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's a full mana yeah, base. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and so, so then, so then, let's say, let's say you end up dropping a thousand dollars on Reanimator, and I think that's, I, I think that's maybe a little bit on the high end of the curve, but let's just say it's a thousand dollars. Now, Fairies at its peak costs like about five hundred dollars to put together. Mm-hmm. You know, in standard, it was an expensive deck to put together. Um, but if you spent, if you spent three hundred dollars every time a new set came out to just buy, let's say, half a case. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to get to move stuff and to kind of cycle stuff in and out, it's a lot more under control, you know. Whereas with your with your six hundred dollar investment when, in Legacy, cycling stuff in and out is a lot harder because a you have to be in an environment where people have stuff that you want to trade for in Legacy, mm-hmm. and b you you don't have as much. There's not as much flow because it's just it's like when a new set comes out, there might be like one or two cards that affect the format. Now Zendikar Block has done a lot for Eternal formats. Um, I mean, the fetch lands. Well, there's the fetch lands, uh, Iona. Like the like you, you've got. There's just a lot more going on okay. in Zendikar Black. Like there's they the traps are really good. You know, I, people play Mind Break Trap regularly in Legacy and mm-hmm. their sideboards. Ravenous Trap it sees it sees a lot of sideboard play. Um, I think Ricochet Trap will see play in like the uh, Imperial Recruiter decks. But I do love Legacy. I do think it's like it's it's the most fun format because you don't. It, I mean, you look at Star City's Legacy events, and it's just like. Almost never back to back do the same decks win, you know, right. an event, and it's just really cool that like the metagame is just so healthy and so diverse. But hey, borrow cards, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. borrow cards to play because it's just it's it's it is expensive and and it's it's a shame that they haven't done anything to foster kind of you know more people you know more people coming in. Right. Where do you see well, uh, where do you see Legacy in five years now that they've made this announcement? Mm-hmm. Assuming they never. They never Change stray from what they just said. Mm-hmm. Do you see Legacy in five years from today, like being bigger than it is right now, mm-hmm. being about the same size, or do you feel like it's going to shrink, or do you think that they're even going to get to a point, like they suggested on Monday Night Magic with Conley Woods, do you think they're going to get to a point where like they will create a new legacy with like uh, you know what do you say super extended or something or something like that like Urza's yeah. forward yeah, or something it's, it's, like it's that it's mass block forward because none of those cards can ever be on the reserve list or something like right that. Yeah. right exactly um, I don't I don't foresee a new format it, like the, the the closest thing to a for- new format I think we'll have that's sanctioned anytime soon um, I think within the next five years we'll probably see some sort of way some sort of uh, sanctioning of EDH mm-hmm. because it's such a popular like newer format it is. It does have a vast card pool, and it's accessible because everything's a one. You know, so right. if you if you need a mana drain for EDH, you go spend the eighty bucks because it's just one. You know, um, right? It, it, but as far as legacy is concerned, it's weird because I look at um, what was a Grand Prix Madrid was the largest event ever, and was a legacy event. You know, right. they had two thousand two hundred twenty seven players. I think <clears throat> that's that's enormous, uh, and, and it's legacy and like. 
here I was, like, Legacy was kind of niche, you know, but it's, it's, it's really not. I mean, players are players. Um, in five years from now, I think that Legacy, economically speaking, and, you know, contrary to what, you know, people who talk about Magic may think, markets do correct themselves, you know, and that's, the, that's one of the nice things about Magic is, like, the reliability of, of what's going to happen with prices and stuff on cards. I mean, you know, cards can go up and up and up and up, but generally they, like, they, there's, there's kind of an ebb and flow to it. You know, you look at Tarmogoyf this time, like, like last summer, you know, you could pick up Tarmogoyf and Nationals literally 35 bucks from any of the dealers. None, no one had it higher than 40 you know. Now they're, like, 90 well, it, after Extended is over, you know, do people really think that Tarmogoyce is going to just stay at 90 or continue to get higher? In all likelihood, Tarmogoyce will go to, like, maybe the $60, $75 range. And because, the, because the thing is, a lot of people who don't need them anymore are going to be like, I can get 60 bucks cash for this right now. I'm going to sell it. And they're going to cash them in because they don't need them until next year for, for Extended again. And a lot of people don't have the foresight to just, you know, hold on to cards. Right. Um, but the market corrects itself. So so what's going to happen is, I mean, dual lands are, I don't see going down any, um, which is going to be a problem. But there is the there is the benefit of, you know, savvy traders are going to be able to get their, you know, trade their way into legacy. Um, it, knowledge exploitation is a big thing. You know, like I... I I started picking up Caracas uh, the the weekend of the the Star City Richmond event because I knew they were big in uh, in sideboards against Iona in in, in uh, Madrid, so I was picking them up at five to ten dollars, you know, and I have six Caracas now, and at one point within the last week or two they were as high as forty two bucks, and now they're I mean they're down between like twenty five and thirty, but I mean you know it's it's just like you've got it's a to, huge jump, yeah exactly. I mean there's there's big spikes and stuff like that, but like now like I mean Metalworkers another one. You know, Metalworker's gone up because of specula- speculation that there will be a Legacy deck featuring legacy, uh, Metalworker and, like, these Eldrazi dudes, you know, because, granted, they're not artifacts, but they're colorless, and you just, you know, put one into play on turn two seems really good, you know. Um, the, uh, uh, so it's it's kind of, if you go to a tournament and you see some dude who has four Metalworkers and, and he's valuing them at four or five bucks each, you pick him up from him. You know, if you see some guy who has, uh, you know, a, a Caracas and he values it at 12, 15 bucks, you pick it up. And you get these cards that you know, like, it's, it's kind of just like, it, Twitter's the best, the best resource for this, actually, I think, and, and, you know, like, magic coverage on, on Wizard site. You just keep your ear open for, like, this card is doing this, this card is doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I have, like, something like 10, 15 summoning traps now in various languages, because I think it's going to be bigger, you know, after Rise comes out. And, you know, I'm picking up at a dollar each, but, you know, if Rise comes out, even if they go only go to $5, all of a sudden I've got, I've, I, I can certainly trade, a, you know, play set into a dual land eventually. Right. You know, it's just a matter of being just not an idiot, I guess, you know, I mean, and I don't want to, like, criticize people who don't have legacy cards and stuff like that, but, like, just learning to trade is probably the most valuable resource, or the valuable asset that you can have as a Magic player mm-hmm. outside of being a good player. You that's, know I mean? that, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, like, among, not only was I playing Magic poorly for 14 years, I was also trading like crap for 14 friggin' years. Sure. You know, like, like I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I don't even want to start talking about all the, like, chase cards I traded yeah. from sets because I thought they were garbage. I'm like, sure. you know... And for nothing, you know, because, like, I didn't, I wasn't aware of what my cards were worth. I wasn't aware of what the people's cards I was trading for were worth. Or even if I had a handle on what I had, Mm -hmm. I had no idea what the cards I wanted to get were valued. So I'm valuing them way higher than they should have been. Because I'm thinking of them, these are the cards I need, I will get them. Mm -hmm. And then you wind up trading, like, 
four times the value for a stupid card. You know yeah, what I mean? And, and I did that for years and years, and I've just now started to realize at least like what my cards are worth. And mm-hmm. and while I don't, um, while I don't endorse or condone like ripping people, people off, yeah. and I know that's not what you're saying, you know. To keep an eye on these sort of things and like to kind of and, and speculation right, is you're gambling, really. Exactly. Yeah, like like not ripping people off. The day I saw Landfall spoiled, I went and traded for six night of the reliquary, four at a dollar each, two foils at two dollars each. I traded exactly. a Teleman performance for a foil night of the reliquary. Uh, which is awesome. You know, you know what I mean? And and at that point, that was a fair trade. Sure. And, and and there's nothing wrong right. with trading things at what they're worth. The day you're trading for them, you know what I mean. You can't you can't jump in a time machine and say, sure. you know, like, like I traded off two knights of the reliquary out of the pool of knights that I had, and then I needed two more. So because Joe said, I think it's time to get your knight of the reliquaries, you should probably finish your <laughs> setup. So I go and I traded for two at nine bucks each, and a week later they jumped to twelve, and a week after that they jumped to eighteen. Sure, you know what I mean. So, but at the time that was a perfectly reasonable trade was mm-hmm. to get those two knights and to finish my playset. And getting them at nine bucks each, even yeah. then, you yeah. know, and that was after getting the ones that I had traded off at nine, like two weeks before, and then was like, "What the hell did I do?" Mm-hmm. Like traded those at nine was still nine times the mm-hmm. you know the value Absolutely. I traded for them at. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. I got you know I traded for them at a dollar, traded them away at nine. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they did double after that, so what? Exactly. You know, like you got the value then. Like I yeah. I got two. I have Ugin for five dollars each. Mm-hmm. The day that I saw them spoiled, or the day that I saw the first Eldrazi spoiled, mm-hmm. I got the two eyes for five bucks each. Opened one in a pack that I had paid six dollars to enter the tournament for, mm-hmm. and then sold them off to a store for nine dollars each. Yeah. And now that store is selling them at nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Like so, so it's it's just like I feel like it's important to be able to use that ability to speculate on cards and, mm-hmm. you know, and to take that gamble. Like you said, you, right. you uh, have, you know, you always tend to, like, when you weren't buying cases at a time, right. you would um, you would go online and you would find, like, the 25-cent rares and, like, the dollar rares. Right. And you would just, like, pick up sets and store them. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. like, I think these cards will be good. And sometimes it works out and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But you all the, at worst, you break even. I had 17 Sphinx of Dwarf Isle at some yeah. point. Like, <laughs> like, it was, you know, 50 cents or something. And, you yeah. know, it went up to, like, two bucks, three bucks. Yeah. That actually helped. Yeah, that makes it, it makes a big difference. I mean, it's... It's like you've got to look at it as when you're when you're trading and when you're buying cards. If you know, and and there's the exception to the rule, which is you know you're at a tournament, you need uh, you know four Crumbling Acropolis to to finish your deck. You know that's that's a different situation. But but as you're just trading, kind of you need to be getting the maximum value from from everyone you trade with. And like a lot of times, it's just telling people you know what 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 you're about. You know, like I mean, there was a uh, there, there was a maybe it was Origins, like, the second time I'd, I'd gone or something, I a friend of mine and I had, like, a standing deal to, like, see who could trade. It was, like, a, a Lotus Petal for, for the most, and Lotus Petal was, like, standard legal at this point. So, mm-hmm. so like, I ended up, you know, like, I'm, I'm talking to people and trading with them, I'm like, hey, will you trade me, you know, ten crap rares for Lotus Petal? And they're just like, why? And, then, you know, you explain, hey, look, I'm just trying to trade up into power and see if I can do it, yada, yada, yada. And I, actually, the guy at MTG Metagame was talking about it, we were talking yeah. about it on Twitter. Um... I gotta find out his real name because I hate. Oh, John Medina. John okay, Medina. John Medina. Okay. Um. Yeah. John was talking about it on Twitter with me, and 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 just like it's kind of the uh, 
the what a red paperclip guy. Red you know? paperclip. Right. Yeah. And, and he 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 didn't he point that? Yeah, yeah he did. He, he posted that. I thought that was fascinating. Like, yeah, I, it, yeah. it's it's awesome, and you got to look at everything. And I, like you know, in in my career, is I'm a financial services representative, which is what basically if you're not licensed as a financial planner, you can't call yourself a planner. So that's you know that's kind of what I do. I deal with people's finances and, and helping them out with retirement and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at everything as like an economic like 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 a market. You know, like the stock market is not the only market. Like magic cards are very a very real market. And if you if you look at it like that, you you'll generally end up off better because like you know if you if you get a dollar thrown in here and there and you know et cetera et cetera. I mean, look at that as like interest on your cards and stuff like that. You know, like you're you, you make an investment and all of a sudden you're getting paid a dividend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because because you you trade away your your you know black border Sylvan library for you know four white border ones and you know Enderafellos or something like that. It's like it's like you know maybe. Maybe you came out a little bit even, but you know these cards. If these both these cards are going to continue to go up, and you have four, like your stock split, you know, yeah. like it's 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 like you get if you, if and if when you start looking at it from a more economic standpoint, and I mean, granted, you know, you don't want to rip people off, but I mean, every so often there's a kid who's sixteen and comes up to you and is like, "I got an Elspeth, that you do you want it?" And you're just like, "God, if I don't, then someone else is going to." So you show them your binder, you're like, "What do you need?" And they pull out, you know, like something like Hellkite Charger, and you're like, "Look, dude, can I can I throw something in here?" Right, <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, there were some little kids at Legends yesterday, um, and they it, like they were walking towards the back, and one of the guys who's kind of a more notorious, like you know, like kind of rip-off artist as far as trading goes, which is like, you guys got trade stuff? And I'm just like, oh, dude, don't, don't be like that, right? So, <laughs> Blood so yeah, and these kids, these kids are like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, these kids are like, like, literally like, like 10 and like 7 or something, maybe like 13 and 10, something like, they're young, right? And so, so they're like, no, we just started playing, and I'm just like, I'm like, all right, well, I've got like a stack of cards that I don't need in my backpack, which includes some like foils and some rares and stuff. There's a right of replication in there or something, and like mm-hmm. a, like a uh, Archmage Ascension or something, just right, something yeah. dumb. But I don't need it, and I'm just like, so I like stacked up like a hundred cards, and I was like, here, do you guys want these? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, all right, so my expected value out of this is these kids continue to come to Legends. They're gonna ask me, "Hey, is this a good trade for me?" You know, like if they go to trade and stuff, they're gonna yeah. be like, "There's the guy who just gave us free cards, you know, for no reason." Like. It, hey, is this guy? Is this a good trade for me? And that's cool. And like, then I earn tr- their trust. And then eventually, you know, they'll stumble upon a black lotus, and I'll be able to get it for like, you know, like a fetch land. And that's <laughs> which is, it's not my real end game, but like eventually yeah, they'll stumble upon that's a black my sinister. Lotus. You know, I have my hands in many sinister soups. But you know, <laughs> but but no, my, the real end game there is eventually. You know, they're gonna they're gonna want to trade with me, and they're gonna be willing to take. You know. A little bit less than maybe their 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 total value for a card, or maybe they're, maybe it's just an even deal when a card is super hot. You know, maybe maybe they've got whatever the M11 equivalent of Bane Slayer is, and hopefully Bane Slayer. Hopefully not. Well, actually, hopefully yes, because reprinting it'll like drive the value down a little bit. But but you know they've got the the M11 Bane Slayer and and you know or the M11 Foil Lightning Bolt, and I've got you know like you know a couple fetches or something, and they're like, yeah, we can do this. You know, like because there's there's an element of trust, and that's that's the thing. You just gotta. You've got it. I mean, Eevee gets thrown around a lot in Magic now because I guess it's just cute or something. People like you know read about it on poker and they're like, "Expect about this is awesome. I can apply it to Magic." Bill Cosby's back or something. But 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 I mean, it is true. You you do have to look at your expected value for things. I mean, it's 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 very. uh, It'll make all the difference in the world with with regard to you know what you have in your collection and and what you're able to do resource wise. Now in poker, can you mulligan? No kidding. (laughs) If only. I want to pitch this back. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you guys want to move on to the spoilers? Sounds good. 
Yeah, we should definitely move on to the spoilers. So, since last week, last week we talked about, like, the six pooled spoilers. I know, right? I was now like, there's like crap. Now there's, like, 15 more cards or something. Sure. Like, it's kind of... 50? There's, there's, like, what, like, 55 out of uh, 248 now? Probably, um, roughly? I'll find out in a second. But, yeah, it's... it's Pretty ridiculous number of spoilers. I mean, of course, out. counting the twenty uh, basic Fifty-four, ones. but I mean, twenty of them are basic yeah. lands. Yeah, so thirty-four, but I mean, last week we had like Seven. less than ten. Yeah, we mm-hmm. had like Kozilek and the six the six spoilers. spoilers. Mm-hmm. Right. Since there are so many, maybe we shouldn't talk about every single one, but only ones that are um, kind of interesting to us. I think first we should go right into Sark and the Mad because we had a lot of interesting okay. stuff about that. Okay. Okay. So, so Sark and the Mad. Um, I mean, we had we had the picture, and we kind of knew Sarkin was coming back. People. Had, you know, th- uh, speculated before we even had the picture, I think, that Sarkin mm-hmm. was going to be back as a planeswalker. Be- because of the comics, actually. Oh, is that he, what it was? in the comics. Okay. So, um, and then looking up the casting costs, um, the, like, looking on the Gatherer, mm-hmm. uh, or not or, the Gatherer, Orb of, Orb of Insight, they found the, the three black-red casting cost, which... Oh, I didn't know that. They, they found that, which everyone assumed was going to be Sarkin's casting cost, because... Everyone was thinking, you know, Sarkin's Slave of Bolas was going to be something like that. Like, right, right. Like so something along those lines was going to be the Planeswalker. And then when they found a three black-red casting cost, they immediately associated with the Sarkin card. And now it's been confirmed. So Sarkin the Mad um, costs three black-red. He uh, starts with seven loyalty. Um, that, he, that's the highest of any Planeswalker. Yes. Yeah. Starting. I think uh, uh, Chandra's six, okay. right? Yeah. So that was probably the highest before. Um, so, for zero, reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand. Sarkin the Mad deals damage to himself equal to that card's converted mana cost. Um, and then we have minus two, target creature's controller sacrifices it, then that player puts a 5-5 five, five red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield, and Sarkin's ultimate is minus four. Each dragon creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target player. So, first of all, it's the first uh, Planeswalker without a plus ability, so right, you yeah. can't add any loyalty to him. And it's also the first Planeswalker that has an active Dark Confidant in play. Right. Uh, you know, on the, on the <laughs> yeah. Planeswalker side of the board, there's a Dark right. Confidant in play. He's got, he's he got can't a... attack, but you know, he's always revealing cards and dealing damage to himself. Pretty much. It's like he's got Dark Confidant in play. And another thing is his ultimate, you can activate it right away. Mm. Right, you drop him and play his ultimate. Now, the first thing that we thought about this card was, oh, that's a really flavorful, cool card. You know, that's pretty interesting. Like, because he kind of goes mad. There's no way to add to his loyalty. He just kind of... Uh, kills himself. Yeah, he kills himself. And so, so that was really flavorful and cool. And then we got to talking about it before we hit record. Uh, and then we realized just how sick this card could be. And especially in Jund. Actually, I mean, obviously it fits the colors of Jund, but at first it was like, oh, you know, I mean, it's the same colors, but what good is it going to do? Well, let's see here. Let's say you're, that you uh, are playing Jund, and you have this guy, and let's start with the most simple example of a Sprouting Thrynax. So you have a Sprouting Thrynax out, and you drop Sark in the Mad, you sacrifice the Sprouting Thrynax, you get three tokens and a 5-5 five, five dragon. Yeah. Now that's pretty sick. So that's so that's one thing that kind of makes it cool. Um, and then we thought about, okay, so what if you have Broodmate Dragon out? So you've got Broodmate Dragon out. You play the Broodmate Dragon. Um, 
say, let's say you do play the Sarkin, and then you sacrifice the uh, Sprouting Thrydex to uh, Sprouting Thrydex to make another dragon and to get three tokens. So then the next turn you're swinging for sixteen, and then if you use Sarkin's ultimate, you're dealing sixteen direct damage. Thirteen they, direct damage. Thirteen yeah. direct. Thirteen direct. Yeah. And sixteen, not even counting if they have a blood braid out or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's it's pretty explosive, or it can oh be. My it has God. The potential to be pretty explosive. It seems really ridiculous in Jund. It and seems completely awesome. Even simpler applications of it, I think, um, like the the zero ability to 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 kind of bob himself, is kind of I mean kind of prolific because like I mean let's say you got a bloodbraid elf in hand that you drew after you you know you had Sarkin in play. All of a sudden, you know, you you get the peak at the top card. And you know you you keep the top card, and uh, it just kind of it might get some crap out of the way that you would have you know rampant growth that you blood braid into. Um, so it's not I mean not that that's like the the most optimal use of Sarkin, but the other thing about him is you know sure he's going to kill himself, but a lot of times he's going to help you to draw into another one, so you can kind of like he kind of recycles a little bit. Um, I, I do I do think it's got some potential in in a Grixis control deck that mm-hmm. features Jace. And and certainly in a uh, in a in a Jun deck, it could it could replace you know the uh, I mean some some Jun decks right now are running Sarkin Vault, so I mean maybe this is maybe this is an alternative to that or Garrick or Bit Blast in the in the Bit Blast slot. You know it's it's kind of it's a it's 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 very interesting, and I'm I'm kind of tentative on it. I would definitely uh, I, I mean I would pick them up for cheap for sure. I mean there's, right, there's yeah. no reason not to pick them up. They just seem Sarkin was the first like thirty dollar planeswalker when he yeah. was originally spoiled for absolutely no good reason. And uh, <laughs> and and you know, it, it this one seems like it'll it'll I, I don't want to say it'll be a thirty dollar planeswalker, but he definitely uh, he, unless he's some sort of release card somewhere or some sort of promo and I from what we've heard he's not. Right. Um yeah. it, it's it, there's no good reason to believe that he won't be worth, you know, worth whatever you're able to put down on him if you can get him for Ten bucks, fifteen bucks, something in there. Yeah, he, I mean, I, I that's what I kept thinking about is uh, using him in some sort of Grixis mm-hmm. capacity, or just being able to use him alongside Jace or Halimar Depths, yeah, or Ponder. I mean, I, I haven't used Ponder in so long, I can't even remember how that works. Well, that would work because you what? stack the top three cards. Okay, and that's then you what draw I thought. A card, so you just you know put the expensive one in, draw it, and then draw the second one, which is a land, land or something. right, yeah. right. So you stack lands on top, and I mean, with him next to Jace. Uh, the mind sculptor, you you know, use Jace's brainstorm ability, put you know, put two cards back, leaving a land on top, and then draw the land with Sarkin, and you've got two planeswalkers not losing any loyalty. And the, every turn you're drawing two cards, as, as long as there's a absolutely. land on top. The, the only problem I see with him in a uh, in a Grixis uh, control deck, I guess, as as their the shells are now, mm-hmm. is that the Grixis control decks tend to play shroud creatures, so his minus two ability is not going to ever work, right? Um, right, because you can't sack your own creature because it does target. Now, what this might do, however, is maybe skew the Grixis Control build to a little bit more so, like something like the Ascension combo builds, or like the kind of decks that a little bit more aggro, like 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 your deck, mm-hmm. um, where where maybe you do have, um, I mean, Ball Lightning can be a little bit extreme, but like Hellspark Elemental, for example, or or Blood Gas, like you were saying before, you know, you, you're getting a lot of added value uh, if you're sacking, you know, a dude who's already attacked with Unearth. Or a dude who's gonna get that, who's gonna die anyway, or blood gas, you know, something that comes back. It's it's there's a there's a lot of additional value there. We might even see some sort of like a, I guess like machine head esque deck, you know, black red control um, that, that could emerge. Not chiefly because of this, but this certainly fits that kind of vein, you know. Right, right. And I mean, even with the black red 
um, like the the the, mod, the red deck wins splashing black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you run this guy and you're able to, you know, sack your ball lightning, sack your uh, your hell spark elemental, sack right? Your, pretty or, much everything, or even yeah. or even more simply, just have a. Another a card drawing yeah, engine in, in that in that yeah, sort in of deck, deck that which tends to run out of gas. Red right? has been sorely lacking in that sort of mm-hmm. thing recently, and also I mean the, the other card that uh, I guess ties right into red having some sort of card draw um, is what is it called the the one that costs two red and three the uh, sorcery no, the uh, it's the, it's the erratic explosion kind of like like yeah yeah new re- erratic explosion explosive yeah. reveal I think that these are, are these that's. That might just be the. Uh, I, I don't know if they've they've checked that against the orb as the name, or if that's just like the direct translation. I think right. that might be. I think that on this site they have because we're looking at gatheringmagic.com, by the way, for these yeah. spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have. I think that they still have the uh, the the rough translations from the foreign cards. Yeah, I feel like that's a literal translation. Yeah, but anyway, um, go to. Um, sorry, go to um, visual spoiler, or not even. Well, well let's see. It might. It should be on the visual spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on. There we go. Um, okay, it's, it, it's, it's called explosive revelation. revelation. Okay. Okay. Right. So it says um, it's a. It costs two red and three. It's a sorcery. Choose target creature or player. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Explosive revelation deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to that creature or player. Put the non-land card into your hand and the rest of the on the bottom of your library in any order. So, so there's an interesting card. I mean, it is a little expensive, but like, you are going to draw into something else and deal damage. It kind of reminds me of a reverse uh, Goblin Charbelcher because Charbelcher reveals until until you hit a land, mm-hmm. and then it, you know it deals damage equal to the number of non-land cards you revealed. This is wait until you reveal a non-land, and it, it's the casting cost. Mm-hmm. Of that, but it, it just reminded me of it. It's yeah. a, and Chapin was talking about it um, on Twitter. He mm-hmm. said, you know, kind of, uh, he, he, you know, he, he had something, he said, is anyone thinking what I'm thinking? And anytime Chapin says he's thinking something, I have to assume it's Cruel Ultimatum. Um, <laughs> and this with Cruel Ultimatum, obviously, this fits into that kind of Grixis-style control deck. Um, you, you, you know, kind of quasi-cascade into a Cruel Ultimatum and then follow up the next turn with a Cruel Ultimatum and, like... And that's that's seven damage to the head. That makes cruel ultimatum ultimatum that much sexier. You know, if you if you got seven damage already, so they're at thirteen, and then there's a ten point life swing, and and they lose, you know, all their cards. It's it's, it's yeah. it makes it um it makes it a lot nicer at that end of the curve. I think uh, in that in that style of deck. So I, I think this is they're they're certainly trying to give some more tools to control players. It looks like, um, but it's. Creative controlled players are not like building the deck for you, and right. they certainly haven't given us reflecting pool and vivid lands to uh, you know, <laughs> to round out what we're able to play. Right. Well, and, and again, Jace, Jace, the mind sculptor's uh, brainstorm ability mm-hmm. helps Absolutely. that kind of uh, application where hmm. you pop the uh, put your cruel ultimatum right on top, or your Nico Bolas planeswalker or something mm-hmm. on top of the deck, sure. and, uh, and or then play. Yeah, or or your yeah. giant Eldrazi. Sure. Exactly. Uh, that's pretty disgusting. Oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> I like that. So, uh, I'm just looking off of the official visual spoiler now. Um, we could... Uh, we got our first common so, uh Yeah, we have a common Eldrazi, Ulamog's Crusher, 8-8 eight, eight for 8, Annihilator 2, and it's, uh, it's, it attacks each turn if able, like a juggernaut. As if you wouldn't attack with that thing. Right. Sure. I think I'll just use it as a defender. Yeah. Speaking of defenders, we have uh, nice, nice transition. I love it. <laughs> Overgrown battlement, which is vine trellis, um, but better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Vine Trellis was a green and a colorless for an 0-4, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, defender, and it added a green to your mana pool. But Overgrown Battlement adds green for each creature with defender you control. So there seems to be a pretty obvious defender uh, theme to this set. Where, um, Especially since they mentioned it. Since they yeah. did mention it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of silly almost, because they're like, they're like, what we've done here is we've given you the tools to defend yourself against the Eldrazi. And I'm like, no, you didn't, because they have Annihilator. So <laughs> it's like, if you got three defenders and they attack with some guy who has Annihilator 6, good game anyway. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I can't even imagine a game lasting beyond one swing with like any of these Eldrazi. Even, you know, this common one, 8-8 mm-hmm. eight, eight for 8, like, I'm, I'm swinging and you're sacrificing two things. Like, that's the only one that maybe, you know, all right, I'll try to... To continue now that I only have you know six lands in play or something mm-hmm. like, and you still have that guy that's going to attack yeah. me next turn. <laughs> um, so uh, you know these Eldrazi just seem like it reminds me. Did you ever play Versus System at all? Uh, I, I've seen some games, but I haven't actually played. They they would have things in that game where like you know it would be like they'd have cards that were just so far up on the curve that mm-hmm. basically they were like if. If they're playing this card, the game should be over, so sure. we're just going to make it ridiculous. Sure. You know, like, play this. Your opponent sacrifices their entire, you know, board. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just like, that's what it seems like these uh, the Eldrazi are. It's yeah, almost, like, I mean, Annihilator is almost without question the best, like, like creature ability that, you know, appears on more than one card. Um, but they do kind of try to, I guess, make it restrictive by, you know, making these guys cost a lot. Mm-hmm. Eight, however, I, I'm not sure how, how prohibitive that is. And then with... Uh, you know, I, I don't love Ivogan. I still feel like that's a card that people are chasing around trying to get right now. And I feel like in the deck that would play it, it'll maybe be a two of. So, yeah. uh, but, but I just want to search on the Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah. <laughs> there's that, but there's that new, uh, there's, there's, I think it's Eldrazi Temple. Yeah. yeah it's a uh, rumored one. Yeah. yeah it's, it's rumored right now. And that's a, that's a land which comes into play and, and not tapped or any sort of restriction there. You tap it for, um, you tap it for a colorless or you tap it for two colorless for an Eldrazi spell, which it seems like. All of a sudden, you're getting you know two free turns in, in the ramp game when you combine that with Ivugan, and you can play multiples of, apparently of the uh, Eldrazi Temple. Right. Um, so now the prospect of casting some of these huge colorless spells and guys is becomes a lot more realistic. And uh, I mean, I think, and I, it, again, you don't necessarily need the casting bonus. The casting bonus is huge on a lot of these guys, but. But like something like you know, summoning trap or polymorph, just is it's it's still pretty equally nutty. I mean, especially summoning trap, it's an end of turn you know thing you do, and then you know all of a sudden if they're staring down a guy with annihilator six, I mean it's they're just, just like, sacrificing their entire board. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean at that lands. point, at that point, is the, the extra turn is kind of moot, you know, because yeah. you're already taking five extra turns. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just I just can't wait to. Swing with Emrakul against Jund. Yeah, I can't wait. It's just gonna be like, all right. So then, what are you gonna do? Savage Lands go. Yeah. I fucking win. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just. I my thing is, it, is it ever gonna happen? Like, how how often is it gonna happen? You know, like what, I'll show you. I know. I mean, I'll I'm show just saying, you. I'll show you how often it's gonna happen, man. Well, I, I, I'm just saying, it, it obviously, it's like it takes a lot of work, or it's gonna take some work to get these mm. to actually. Swing with them, like I said. Once they swing, I, I can't see a game continuing. No. After. I mean, but, so, but what does it mean in like a format like like uh, like extended, where you know Tron is illegal? You know, you still have the the Urzlands. Yeah. Like like these, the, that's the kind of thing that like I guess there's there's a lot of, and there's a lot more ways to cheat these guys into play in extended and, and legacy and, and I mean vintage not so much because I mean, you just 
But Tron, the world's richest man. Huh? That's that's that, that's not what I'm talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> Lighthouse chronologist. Um, yeah, uh, I like it because it's blue. Of course, yeah. well, well, that, read that's it. my favorite part about it. Good <laughs> luck reading this. Read it in a way that people can understand. Okay, it's it's uh, this is debuting the um, the level up ability, which I guess you could say has already debuted in Figure of Destiny, but this is much much worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we have Lighthouse Chronologist that costs a blue and a colorless. He's a creature, human, wizard, and he's a mythic rare. He is a 1-3, but he also has a level up for one blue. You can put a level counter on him. Uh, level up only as a sorcery. So if you put a level... Apparently, from what I understand, they come in as level zeros. Right. Which, to me, was counterintuitive a little bit, because I assumed they were already level, level one. one. Yeah. And uh, until I heard they were level zeros, and then I had to go back and reread the cards and go, God, now they're worse. They're even worse than I thought they were in the first place. So uh, as he's a 1-3 at level zero. Um, you level him up. Once he's a level four through six, he becomes a 2-4. So he's a 1-3 at level one, two, yeah. and three. Yeah, so yeah, level one, two, and three, he's, um, he's just a 1-3. Level four through six, he's a 2-4. And level seven and above... He's a 3-5 with the ability at the beginning of each end step. I'm sorry. At the beginning of each end step, it's, if it's not your turn, take an extra turn after this one. Um, which I'm sure that's like fantastic, but so is like Luminarch Ascension, and that never happens. <laughs> like, it, it's like, I'm going to sit there and let you pump mana into your 1-3 mm -hmm. and your 2-4, and then I'm going to kill it when you level it up to... When it's actually going to be relevant. Well, so yeah, so there is the the Doomblade guy argument that that says that this is bad. Um, there's the other, the, the interesting like you know flavor implication is that Progenitus is a level zero, you know, and like like all these Eldrazi are level zero, and somehow these guys are like learning new skills, you know, like like at level zero, you know, at level zero I just have you know bow staff skills, but at level one <laughs> I get nunchuck skills. <laughs> And at level like three, I can draw really good. It's like it's it's like so. There's I guess they're trying to do the RPG feel to this whole block, and this is this is cute. It's kind of almost like creatures with quests. Um, yeah, that's, that's, exactly that's what, what I said. said. Yeah. The 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 uh, this guy I feel like could certainly see play and could maybe even be decent. I mean, the the idea of playing him on turn two is is poor at at best. But if you play him later on, you play him, you know, turn. Turn five, you level him to level four right there or something. Right, because you can and, do it multiple yeah. times a turn. And then you, you, and then the next turn, he's level seven, and you pass the turn. And then all of a sudden, I mean, in like in like a format like EDH, this guy's insane. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, like in, in, I take a turn, you take a turn. Yeah, I exactly. Turn, I mean, I mean, in just a in just a two player game, if you get him active, it's got to be lights out. I mean, at that point, you're taking two turns for every one of theirs. And right. This is better than time sieve, you know. At that point, like this is this is very good, but. Again, it's getting him to that. It's just such a commitment. Um, so it's a nice mana sink if you've got a lot of, you know, like, like mana floating around, but I don't know that blue or the kind of deck that this would fit into wants to be tapping out so much. You know, it, it like, in like maybe if you've got seven extra mana on turn, you know, the turn you cast them, that's good. But at that juncture, you know, on, on what's that, turn nine, yeah. you've probably got better things to do with your mana. See, also, right. Cruel Ultimatum, you know? Cruel like, Ultimatum, yeah. Iona, well, you know, and Eldrazi. Sure. Well, you know, Blue, I mean, I don't I don't feel like it would be the worst, it would have the worst home in Blue-White Control. I mean, now, like, the, the problem, 
No, that that was, well, that's one problem yeah. right there, but I was going to say my biggest problem with all the level-up creatures is that it levels up as a sorcery. So mm-hmm. it's a mana sink, but not for decks that want to keep mana open. Sure. But, like you, but, yeah, but really, we really think about it, like with the blue-white control deck, how much mana do you really need to keep open every turn? And you have a wealth of mana. Like somebody tweeted the other day, I forget who, like, I think Zvi actually tweeted something like, don't you think every time you play blue white control, I spent forty seven mana and all I got was this lousy T shirt? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. Like, and, and like, and thinking about the deck in those terms, like this is something else to do with your mana. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like when you have eight mana up and you're waiting for that ninth mana to play Iona. You know, do you really need eight mana to counter spells? No, you probably only need about like. Five. But you still need eight blue mana for this guy, and that's the, that's the other thing that makes him prohibitive is that it's all that blue. A, so when it, it, this deck, I mean, you almost you're almost begging for like a mono blue style deck, maybe just that splashes white or splashes black or right. something like that. So it's because you don't want to wrath now that you've got mm-hmm. your chronologies mm-hmm. on board. Yeah. Like, and and the thing is, like you just asked me, but I don't feel that way. I feel like you know the the mana's not burning a hole in my pocket. I like sure. having all of that mana there. Right. You know, like, it's like, what has he got in his hand? And one thing that, um... Now, it could be in a card name, but I'm hoping it's not... I'm not saying a card name. It could be in multiple cards' names, because their Flash has three hits in the orb. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, like, if it's on a blue card, or a white card, if I'm playing blue-white control, that just makes me happy right there, because that, I'd rather... I leave my mana open, and then if I haven't countered something, yeah. or if I have the mana, then I can flash something in. Like, hopefully yeah. they're going to be decent cards. But yeah, that's my flash. favorite ability. Yeah. I love Flash. Flash has three hits on the orb. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the, exciting. So I'm excited about One that. of the cards, however, is Flash Dance. So it's yeah. not a <laughs> Exactly. So that one we know doesn't, you know, is not a, uh, a great card. <laughs> <laughs> Above and beyond that. It's, it's a yeah. sorcery with Flash. Yes. <laughs> You can play this sorcery anytime you can play it. Anything. If you're a maniac, maniac on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. This I feel like I'm sure for limited, it's it, it's more. All these guys are pretty relevant. good in, in, in limited. Um, but he's he specifically, I think, is, is kind of a bomb in limited, um, especially because the the removal from what we've seen is pretty limited. I mean, there's that card that gives a creature a defender, you mm-hmm. know, for a white. So, like, I mean, him having Defender is certainly not a drawback. I mean, he could have been printed with Defender. He's never attacking, I don't think. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, he's he's good, I think, but I, I don't know if he's this is the right environment for him. Um, and, and in Limited, I think he's, you know, pretty strong. And in, again, in EDH, he's just a house. EDH is all. I mean, I, yeah, I know I mean, EDH guys are pretty damn excited fine. about him. Um, um, so, uh, do, do you want to talk about Hyena Umbra? Because that's like... Yeah, I think that's that's the... Best Umbra we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty uh, pretty relevant. It's well, the one we the one that was spoiled today might be better. It, it's that one's good, but I think it's this one's great because yeah, it's, it's better once it's down one. cost wise. This is a better yeah. Right, yeah. this one is is basically you know it's a hyena Umbra. It's an enchantment aura. Cost one white, just just a white. Sorry, a single white mana. Um, enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has first strike, and it's got totem armor, which we mentioned last week. If enchanted creature would be destroyed, instead remove all damage from it and destroy this aura. So, like, I don't know, for one mana, I think that's, it gives a creature a small bo- small boost. First Strike is pretty, I think First Strike's a good ability. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that, like, now you have to kill it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all for just one mana. I think that makes this Umbra, and it's a common, mm-hmm. um, kind of, I, I think it's the strongest one we've seen. We have, um, you wanted to talk about the green one. Did you want to... 
Say anything about Hyena Umbra before we talk about No, not really. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, Bear Umbra, which was just spoiled today, I guess, um, from Weak Zine. W-E-A-K. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> weak Zine. It's weak because they got an exclusive spoiler, and I never heard of them, and we haven't got an exclusive spoiler. And I've heard of, of us. I've heard of us, too. Um, so it costs two green green. It's an enchantment aura. It's a rare Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has, whenever this creature attacks, untap all lands you control. And totem armor. So, that's pretty awesome. I mean, like, that is definitely uh, pretty powerful. It could, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't, I mean, like, while I say, like, ooh, I want to put this in Mythic, I don't know whether or not I'd ever actually put this in Mythic. Mm -hmm. Like, but it could be pretty damn good in a deck like that, where, like, you know. Bless you. Thank you. you drop a bunch of mana onto like a finest hour, and then you swing and you get this. You know, you already have this thing out, so you've got the the bonus plus the extra attack plus you get all your lands untapped. Um, if you had, well, I guess if that deck had sorceries or, or you had instants, you could play instants in between your combat phases because the combat phases are one after the other, which right. I wasn't quite a hundred percent on, but. Um, you know, but then you'll have mana to play something else in your next main phase, which, right. which essentially is, it can be free. Like basically, you can just be like, "I'll tap four, on, put it on whatever, swing, I get to untap my four lands, and then play Garrick and untap two lands and drop Tarmogoyf in it." Wait, I'm just, <laughs> that's just the first two. And, two and, that's, and that's you know, the exclusive spoiler that that you guys got here. You all know, taps Tarmogoyf is back. That's so, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, get, get, get excited. Uh, he's got a, it's it's different though. He's got to level up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you, yeah. Every time he, uh, every time a different spell Card goes to the graveyard, the graveyard yeah. you get a level counter, and at level six, he becomes a an, six a timer boy, and he becomes an O one with the ability. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think the interesting thing is the interesting note about these auras is, and kind of with like the with even the Zendikons from Worldwake. There's kind of, I guess, there's always been this poo-pooing of, of auras in, in limited and even in constructed just because of the inherent card advantage. And these kind of, uh, these kind of allow you to waylay that, um, as did the Zendikas, because it's like, you, instead of getting them getting a two-for-one, you know, on their, on their you know, lightning bolt or their maelstrom pulse or whatever, they're instead, you know, only getting the one card because, and even with this, I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of overcommit. Uh, not that I recommend it, but I mean, if you want to indulge in having a, a guy who's surrounded by a bear and a hyena and have like the turducken armor, you know, where, <laughs> where he's like surrounded by a bunch of different umbras, um, you, you've got the, you've got the bonus of, uh, apparently, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the, what the rules, uh, reasoning for this is, but I guess the destroy effects are not, uh, are not total. So if you have three different umbras on a dude, you destroy one of them and mm -hmm. if, if the creature would be destroyed. Right. And still, I mean, obviously, this still is is pretty pretty bad with uh, you know Path to Exile in the format. So Oblivion still, Ring, but in limited, certainly this is this is uh, this is pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Joe and I were talking a little while ago, like how how much stronger Path to Exile and Oblivion Ring are with like these Eldrazi too, like especially yeah. indestructible indestructible. Uh, which we'll, actually, we'll, we'll talk about that one now. There's the. Sure. Uh, the newest, most recent spoiled Eldrazi is Ulamog, the infinite... Geyer. Geyer? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Like the old English uh, gear. Okay, cool. I just made that up, but I'm pretty sure. All right, we'll just <laughs> like go with it. It's old Dominarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god. He's a 10-10 for 11 mana. Legendary creature Eldrazi, mythic rare. 
When you cast Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, destroy target permanent. Uh, Annihilator 4, and when he's put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. So, just like the other legendary Eldrazi, it's got the Gaia's Blessing clause. And he's indestructible. Uh, oh, that's right. Did yeah. I miss that? I totally skipped over that. I thought it was um, <laughs> reminder text. Yeah. That, that is relevant. He's indestructible. So that's where we were talking about like Path to Exile. I, I'm um, going to get, if I ever meet Alexei Bricklot, I'm going to get him to change the name to the Infinite GYN. There you go. Nice. That's nice. And then awesome. maybe have some sort of like tools come out of the hands. But anyway, um, <laughs> or you can just steer ups, right? Lamps. <laughs> you can totally change what this looks like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he's already got his arms spread. So you kind of, I don't know. It's it's he's just waiting to be altered. <laughs> yes, definitely. Just like I really uh, regret not getting my uh, GTA's uh, altered into being some sort of um, let's say pleasuring pleasure pleasure stick yeah. device. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, it was such an afterthought. Once I looked at it, I was like, damn it, I could have just had him put little nubs on here. I hate myself. But anyway, um, um, let's see. So, so we've got, you know, what some people have called the manliest card ever on Twitter. Uh, the most interesting man in the world. The most, yeah. <laughs> that is that guy. I don't always level up, but when I do, I use great mana. <laughs> Doseki. It's like, yeah, it's the guy from the Doseki commercial. Uh, so, Beast Breaker of Balaged for a green and a colorless. He's a 2 2. You can level him up for a green and two colorless. Um, he's an uncommon. He's an uncommon creature, human warrior. Um, uh, level 1 through 3, he's a 4 4. And level 4 and above, he's a 6 6 with trample. Seems pretty strong for limited, but again, he's, you know. He's the mana sink. Kind of. I don't even know. And he, I don't even think it's that good for limited. I mean, like, what are you going to spend? Five for four it's nine. It's nine G G G G G. I think was what the guy was saying online. Um, well, the thing four is, levels doing it all at once. Yeah. But still, I mean, like nine G G G G G for a six six trampler. Doesn't matter how many turns. I mean, that's yeah. thirteen mana for a six six trample guy. Yeah. Even over like. However many turns, like the, the, every time you spend three mana, that's three mana you're not spending on something else to uh, enhance your board position. But it also in, in limited you have the I guess you have the uh, you don't have four of of everything in limited. So with this guy, you know you're dropping a bear, which is never necessarily going to be bad. You know he's he's certainly miles better than a grizzly bear. Right. Um, but then like you know next turn you draw a land, you can level them up. You know so next th- this is why the level up guys aren't aren't just absolutely unplayable and limited um, is because, you know, in the event that you don't draw a threat, you can kind of enhance the threat that you have. No, it's true. I mean, I think that, that, like, a 4-4 for 5 in in, in, in sealed would be brilliant, and that's something I would play. You know what I mean? So you have that right there. You have that option. You have a grizzly bear and a 4-4 for 5. That's true. And and that's the thing. You can stop right there if you want. It's a good point. I mean, I just feel like to get to his... 6-6 six, six trample. I'm, I'm just saying strictly sure. from level 1 through 3 to level 4, I feel like it's such a commitment. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and if you have the mana to throw into it, great, but like... The, the other thing about these, and like from the standpoint of like a control player, I see somebody drop a grizzly bear, I'm like, I'm not that worried about it. That's a threat that I don't need to really deal with. Mm-hmm. But if he just sits there and keeps leveling it up, now I need to waste my removal on mm-hmm. a threat that normally would just be 
nothing yeah. really. But the predictability. And then I, I kill it, and then they drop something actually big. Sure. But now I've used my path to exile yeah. or something. For I mean, example, the predictability of the threat here is a lot, a lot more you know obvious, right? right? Because because you know what's going to happen with it, um, and they can only do it as a sorcery. So it just it. You've still got a huge advantage if you get rid of it. Um, but again, like you said, if they followed up with, you know, then they drop the uh, some massive guy right, right after that, then it, it, that could end up being a problem. But it's it's like a it's like a subscription service, and you can cancel at any time. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's so you don't have to keep leveling them up. But again, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't want to pay seven for a four four, and then essentially ten is what you're paying for just to get them to the, the highest end of four four. And then if he dies, you sunk well, ten mana into a four four. Actually, it's eleven. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So goes to eleven. Yeah, he does. He goes to eleven. So, oh, so wait, Alex Shearer from Gifts Ungiven, um, his uh, his website Gifts Ungiven. He he termed this. I, I said and Dave just said about uh, the level up creatures being kind of like quests on creatures. Um, he said it's kind of more like kicker at your convenience, and I like mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, like it's like yeah, he's got kicker, but you don't have to pay it when you play it. You can pay it while he's already on the board. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, that's a good way to look at it too. Yeah, it's not a terrible way to look at it either. But uh, so they're versatile in limited. I think they're just. I just wish they were instant speed. In green, it's not even as important. I mean, it mm-hmm. is. It would be better, obviously, but I'm thinking more along the lines of something like a, a blue deck which wants to keep mana open. Or in red, where you want to be wasting your mana on something that's a legitimate threat every turn, you know, like right, like that's why figure was so good. Yeah, exactly. Um, we don't need to go through everything here, but um, I, these two I think are worth mentioning here. You mm-hmm. want to read that one of those, Jeff? Sure, I want to read all is dust. This uh, this card's kicking my ass. Um, I love this. Uh, so all is dust is a tribal sorcery Eldrazi. So that's right, it's a tribal sorcery. Tarmogoy. Tar- tri- tribal sorcery, Tarmogoyf. As we right. said, Tarmogoyf is back. Tarmogoyf is back. <laughs> you heard it here, unfortunately, before we found out if it was true. Um, <laughs> it costs uh, seven to cast. Each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. Um, we're not going to get into the uh, possibility of that uh, coming off as sounding racist, but... Um, I, I said that I think the Eldrazi are, are racist, and I feel like they have separate separate bathrooms and things like that, and water fountains. And I thought that this was just like taking a huge step backward for the game in general. Because um, I mean, we you know, first Iona, yeah, right? and, and like it's like really like you don't. It's not the. It's not the. It's just nothing about that is politically correct. But uh, go on. Please. Anyway, so um, it's been compared to like a Chroma's Vengeance. I think I think it's a great spell. Um, I mean, it's cheaper with uh, Eldrazi Monument. The rumored Eldrazi monument and Eye of Ugin. So oh, silly with, uh, yeah. with with Painter's Servant in play. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean then, then okay, cool. Uh, just that, then it is just destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. All, all is dust. Ooh, yeah. Um, that yeah. Ooh, man. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and I can't see any benefit to doing that. I mean, like, right. like sweet bro, everything's dead, including <laughs> everything that I have. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> Let's start over. If you find a way to keep doing that, you can make the game go on forever. Yeah. Well, Shara's with up. Eldrazi going into the graveyard, now you're shuffling That's everything true. back in. Like, I'm going to make an infinite loop deck. Zany mill deck. <laughs> like, I'm just going to yeah. make the deck repeat over like, everybody. You know, I guess you could, yeah, you'd mill that yeah. out. Unless they had an Eldrazi. That's like Turbos V 2010. Yeah. You know, like, it's just... <laughs> unless, of course, they have an Eldrazi too, and then... 
you know. Yeah, I really just, feel like with yeah. the Eldrazi being all over the place, especially the legendary Eldrazi, if they wind up being widespread, then I mean, I think mill decks are all but dead. I think that they're pretty much. They have to go black red to do thought hemorrhage. You know. Yeah, so something. Does thought hemorrhage removes them from the game? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah exactly. just making sure. I mean, it's, it's something. I mean, like just because, like. I mean, even even putting even if mill decks are around and people aren't playing Eldrazi, if there is some the sideboard, just yeah. sideboard, yeah, exactly. exactly, just, just for that guy's blessing, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, kind of awesome, um, but kind of sad for mill players. Um, so, Deathless Angel, do you want to talk about that one? I don't care. Dave, you want sure. to go that one? Um, Deathless Angel is a, it's a uh, it's a five seven flyer for four and two white. Um, it's uh, and it's got the ability of white white target creatures indestructible this turn. Um, it's now, flying. And, yeah, no, it's, a, yeah, it's and flying. It's rare. Uh, and it's it's this is a rare. Um it's uh this is kind of another one of these like beefy angels that, that has a pretty cool ability. Um this is a creature we were actually talking about the other day. It's 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 nuts and limited, I think. Um I don't know how I feel about it in constructed. Uh I guess I, I almost want um a little bit more for my for my angels now because Baneslayer set such a dangerous precedent. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's it's definitely it's definitely good. It's just the question is is it better than what's being played now? I mean, do I want this over Baneslayer? Probably not. Do well, I want this alongside one? Certainly. The, the thing that my friend Tim pointed out that I thought was you know a valid point was that this thing kills Baneslayer mm-hmm. and it kills um, Sphinx of Dwar Isle and mm-hmm. lives. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's it. Yeah. That's an interesting. Right. Uh, it kills it. You know, they need to block with it, or you need to block that. You know, it's not like it just target and kills it. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, you sets, know. it pretty much sets up a a stall a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But Again, I, though, the indestructibility thing kind of it's like it's like it's cute, but if I have to sacrifice these dudes because of annihilator swinging in, um, you know, I it, it that ends up being kind of uh, moot. I, I guess the 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 question is, you know, how relevant are the Eldrazi going to be? And I think I really feel like they're going to be a lot more relevant than people are even. People are like, oh, they cost you know fifteen. I really think people are going to get annihilated a lot more than they think. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot yeah. more than they're giving them credit for. Um, I mean, even the even the guy who's eight for an eight eight. Like, I mean, there's a like there's a time when eight for an eight eight was a high quality creature. Yeah. And now you're getting eight for an eight eight with the best creature ability ever. And it's just like you know, you, your opponent is is the one who's as soon as this thing attacks, it could be lights out. You know, I, I, the annihilator just annihilator two is big, so um, so that's that's the the real thing. Is like indestructible might become fairly irrelevant. You know, for 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 at least in in block, right? Um, or or in the standard that results after after rise. I mean, in, in limited, it's still that's still a really great card. Um, but in the control decks, could it be good? Probably. I just don't know. You know, if it's better than what they have. I think um, what's interesting is um, something like I play a legendary Eldrazi, you O ring it. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'll play another one again attack and then him. attack, and they sacrifice the O ring and destroys your uh, mm-hmm. Eldrazi. Kind of interesting yeah. interaction. O ring always fascinates me, the, the yeah. weird things you can do with yeah. it. The ability of Oblivion Ring certainly goes up a lot with these guys because. It's it's the best answer to to all of them because you've got you know the one of them is indestructible the one of them can't be targeted by colored spells but O ring doesn't target you know as a, while it's on the stack so it's like you know it's a very valid yeah. point too oh, I didn't yeah. think about that yeah. O ring you know, comes into play and then and then targets and then it's not a spell anymore it's just an enchantment wow so yeah it's, I didn't it's, think about that so yeah. so O ring takes them out you know that like uh, executioner's capsule takes them out stuff like that but like like while path is nice against two of them O ring just 
kills the dead essentially. You know, so it's again, it's but but again, like I said, if you if you can end of turn your Eldrazi into play, O Ring doesn't matter because they'll never cast it. Right. You know, yeah. They're stacking something. <laughs> right. That's right. why you need the path to exile yeah. or, or yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> that's why I mean that's why I think Emrakul is like is is really, really strong. Me too. I think this newest one, Ulamog, is, is kind of the, the weakest of the set of the uh, of the of the legendary ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the one with the uh, the ten for twelve twelve is probably the strongest. I mean, drawing four cards when you cast it is really good. Ten is a pretty reasonable casting cost, uh, all things considered. It seems like the one that's going to get cast the most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. It's yeah. like that's the one. If any, if any Eldrazi spell is going to actually get cast, hard cast, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be. Um, Kozilek. Yeah. Kozilek. You know, now, I don't think, I don't know, I mean, yeah, sure, if you cast Emrakul, you know, round of yeah, applause, sure. good for you, but, like, I don't plan on ever casting it in no, 15. Not hard casting. No yeah. way. Um, well, it's it's like, and that's the, that's the, I guess the, the kind of silly thing about it is, is the, these, these guys are just so, these, if someone was talking about on, um, maybe it was on Twitter, they were talking about, like, like this sounds like the kind of card that you come up with when you're a little kid, and you're like, "I want to make a magic card," and you're like, "They're like," or like if someone was like having a contest to just make the dumbest creature of all time, <laughs> and they're like, "They're like, all right, it's gonna cost fifteen. It'll be a fifteen fifteen, and and they're like, "No, no, no, dumber," and they're like, "All right, <laughs> uh, it it can't be targeted by spells." It can't be targeted by spells. Colored spells. All spells are colored, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's like, all right, fine. Make it dumber. And then he's like, all right, um, it's got annihilator, annihilator six. What's annihilator? It means that anytime it attacks, they have to sacrifice six permanents. You mean like when it deals damage, right? No, no. no. Anytime it's declared as an attacker. Uh, all right. Um, can you make it dumber? <laughs> all right. Anytime it goes to the graveyard from anywhere. It shuffles your whole library back into your deck. Dude, that's ridiculous. But make it dumber. He's like, and it has flying. You know, like, like <laughs> flying? <laughs> really? Does it need evasion? Like, just, just just, make it, you know, it just, it should be like tap, win the game. You know, I like, can see it, the single tier on Polar Kraken's face right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Polar Kraken is not a happy camper at this juncture. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be fun. I mean, there's, there's, I can't think of a time... Where uh, where someone's going to cast one of these, certainly hard cast, but definitely if they cheated into play, I can't think of a time where I'm going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to stay in this game. Like, that just it seems poor. It seems, it reminds me of, like, Ajani's ultimate. Yeah. Like, somebody, like, Armageddon's you. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, you, you can try to play. Like, we had a situation come up like that <laughs> when mm-hmm. Joe and I were playing, and I got off Ajani's of ultimate, and... Uh, and so he starts scooping up his lands, and I thought he was scooping, because I'm mm. like, what else do you yeah. do, right? So I started, like, talking about what, you know, what was going on, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're going to keep playing? Yeah. He's like, yeah, and then I mean, you scoop, like, two turns later, yeah. and you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah when the Johnny goes off in time number two. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, so, okay, now I don't have anything left. But, uh, yeah, it kind of... It, it seems they're obviously trying to make these Eldrazi relevant. They want mm-hmm. them to be playable. Sure. But um, it just seems to me like, I guess we've only seen like uh, a tenth of the set, pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, a little more than a tenth of the set. And so hopefully we'll see some things that can, I don't know, handle them somehow. I, I don't know. It just seems like ridiculous once one one swing and that's, I mean, really, mm-hmm. one swing from any of these guys is just game over. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so so uh, I guess let's... Well, uh, well actually, did I, want, did I did want to talk about one or two more cards, honestly. Okay, we'll go do uh, that Splinter then. Twin. Um, has some really awesome art. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has some great art. Uh, it costs two red-red, enchantment R, enchant creature. Enchanted creature has tap, put a token that's a copy of this creature onto the battlefield. That token has haste, exiled at the beginning of the next end step. So I, I thought that was neat. I mean, it's uh, what Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker, yeah. right? Yeah. I just thought that was uh, cool that they're putting that out. And it comes know. with Pestermite to give you uh, infinite tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. neat. Yep. Um, a gelatinous Genesis. I got to mention for Tom's benefit. Yeah. Um, it's a green, and I also uh, a special mention for myself. Green XX. <laughs> it's a sorcery. Put xxx green ooze creature tokens onto the battlefield i just like the fact it's that there's triple x yeah, ooze. <laughs> that there's xxx on a magic card in playtesting this card was called the money shot <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah so this is interesting skittering invasion is a tribal sorcery eldrazi costs seven uh put 501 colorless eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield they have sacrifices creature add one to your mana pool i thought that was really weird <laughs> I was like, hey, that's kind of like neat. It's like mana acceleration that you need to accelerate into. <laughs> right, well, we'll <laughs> see, we'll see how awesome. relevant that card is, but it's still, like, sign of things to come. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Borumbra is okay. Have uh, you guys talked about Realms Uncharted yet? I no, definitely want to talk about yeah. that. Yeah, we've got uh, Green Gifts. Yeah, uh, basically. Realms Uncharted, uh, two and a green. It's an instant. Uh, it's a rare. Search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand, then shuffle your library. That's really exciting. I really uh, yeah, like Yeah, I like that. that a lot. That's probably one of my uh, my favorite cards so far. Mm-hmm. Spoiled. That, those are like Mnemonic mm-hmm. Wall. I think that's those are my three favorites right now. Definitely. Yeah, I think, I think it's got some application. It's I, I don't know if it's going to be... This uh, you know, like intuition, I feel is still strictly better in like a forty-three lands deck, which is where people have been speculating that card is going to find you know find a home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 a good card that again might it might not be the right format for it just yet. But uh, it, it being an incident is a huge bonus. I mean, just ramping two and kind of thinning your deck a little bit is is, is pretty good. I look um, at it with like uh, Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, and you know with I mean? mine, it's, like it's, somebody it's tries just to good. bolt yeah. it or something. You're like, okay, well, I'm gonna yeah, instant speed this, yeah. pump it. Also get some good lands, you know. I also like that they kind of they reference the art on Gifts Ungiven, and you know they kind of just like yeah. kind of like this is Gifts Ungiven for lands, you know that's that's what it is. So yeah. it's, it's it's an exciting card. What I would say is, um, don't pick them up at the pre-release because you're gonna be you're gonna be paying an arm and a leg for a card that should adjust down to like a, a lower value, mm-hmm. and then and then pick them up when they're when they bottom out a little bit because they'll they'll eventually come back up. I think I think uh, well Kelly Reed actually uh, said he, he said pick him up at the pre-release I think didn't he but I don't think he meant like at any high cost yeah. no he meant if you can get them get them yeah, you can get them cheap yeah, yeah. and right. hold them right but I don't think they're going up immediately no definitely not um, I, but I mean you also look at uh, like Scars of Mirrodin coming out in mm-hmm. the uh, in the fall mm-hmm. you know there's going to be a new land cycle of something for sure. sure you know what I mean so there's going to be more targets for that I mean obviously as standard evolves into what it's going to become you know there will be more targets for something mm-hmm. like that um, it actually could be uh, it could be a great maybe a replacement for something like uh, Rampant Growth and Jund, even. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, like, just because there are so many different lands, mm-hmm. and you have the two different man lands in there, and you have other things like that, right. so you could, you know, it's one way to maybe do a little more 
than rampant growth, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just... just no, that's, that's a decent idea, because it also helps fix mana, too, because that right. seems to be one of the things that... One of John's weaknesses was not having the right colors. Yeah, so you get so. forest, mountain, uh, swamp, and, and the... Uh, the Savage land, Savage something country. like that. Or, like, if you're just missing, like, the black source, just mm-hmm. get, like, three black sources and, you know... Mm-hmm. One way or another, fetch land, get yeah, fetch land, swamp, uh, savage lands, and yeah. or you can go savage land, dragon skull, summit, uh, ra- um, the, the lava claw reaches yeah. swamp, yeah. right? And you're getting that, you're getting that black right. source. Yeah, it was just ways to to take advantage of it. It's pretty cool. So uh, we've got. Uh, I just want to talk about this real quick because it's the first Eldrazi drone that was spoiled. Um, Emrakul's Hatcher. It's a red and four for a three-three creature Eldrazi drone. It's a common. When it co- enters the battlefield, put three O one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield. They have sacrificed this creature. Add one to your mana pool. I think it's a pretty damn good card. I mean, like um, you've got the potential uh, either three chump blockers, or you can immediately use that three mana and you just pay two mana right. for a three three. It's, right. not, it's not Seed King Commander, but it's it's definitely uh, it's 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 interesting because you can you can play this for cheaper with Ivogan. Um, you can play it for, because it's, it does have the... That's the, true, it's Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Right, exactly. Um, it's, uh, unless that says colorless Eldrazi spells that you play. I don't That's know if it does. Question. I think it does, I think actually. It does, actually. So yeah, maybe, no. maybe you can't. So, okay, okay so I'm, you know, I'm sort of a dummy. Um, but, uh, but in, in Limited, he's a house, I think. You know, per, well, you'll have nine with, mana turn yeah. six if you hit your land draw. Yeah, and him coming right. with three more dudes is, is pretty cool. Um, again, he's he's the the most interesting way to ramp I think that we've seen so far because the the one the skittering invasion seems a little bit lackluster to me. Um, paying seven, essentially, you're paying you know you have an investment overall of two mana um, right. to to help you out next turn, but they just die real easy. Those zero one days, yeah. you know. I wanted to ask you about this. How do you feel about Enclave Cryptologist? I think it's kind of neat. It's, I actually do like it better than the Lighthouse uh, dude. The dude with the Lighthouse. I don't know. I forget what his name is already. Lighthouse Chronologist. Castle yeah. Rock. Ca- yeah, Castle Rock Entertainment. Yeah. Um, Enclave Cryptologist is a is a creature merfolk wizard for a blue, and it's an 0-1. You can level it up for a blue and a colorless. Um, at level 1 and level 2, it's still an 0-1, but it has the ability to tap to draw a card and then discard a card, so it's, it becomes merfolk looter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um level it up to three or above, and it's still an 0-1, but it's just tap to draw a card. I think it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't play Merfolk really at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you play I mean, more older formats where Merfolk are actually relevant. I don't, I mean, and I don't want to, like, have to eat my shoe later, but I, I, I don't think this will be relevant in older formats necessarily. Um, certainly in Limited, though, this guy's crazy. Like, I think he's probably the best of the level-up guys that we've seen um, in, in Limited, just because... He's a, he's essentially a looter for one blue blue, right? You know, um, but then but then to have the ability to just tap draw a card, that's really good, and because looter is really good in limited, mm-hmm. you right? Know, um, and and like you know, reckless scholar, scholar sees some play, but merfolk looter certainly sees a lot of play in like M ten limited. This guy, uh, he's very playable. I think um, he's certainly a nice big lightning rod for whatever weird removal they have, but it's it's nice to be able to to, to have him in play and be drawing cards because there's not. So from what we've seen, at least, there's not a lot of high quality, like like real removal in in what this format is going to be. And the format for Rise is, is like for Draft is Rise, Rise, Rise. Yeah. Sealed is six packs of Rise. Uh, so the the format in where it's, it's, it's a completely new, is, yeah, new format is, is he going to be good in Zendikar Block? Um, and maybe, but in in Rise Draft, I would I would 
I would take him. Um, you know, for, from what we've seen of all the guys with uh, with leveler I, or level up, I would take him probably first. Um, I don't know about the other cards. You know where I would take him in, in order there, but uh, he's. I, I suspect he'll be the, the best guy with level up, or certainly the best common with level up or uncommon or whatever. Another thing about these level up guys is that. Um which I think are called levelers. Is mm-hmm. that what they said? Uh, somebody said that. Anyway, one thing about them um, in block and in standard actually makes smother a little bit more relevant because they they mm. have the potential to be better, mm-hmm. but their casting costs are so low. So very true. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that overall, um, you know, for the most part, we should reserve some judgment until we see the rest of the set. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We're just going on based on what we know now from the set and what we know. From our current experiences with standard and you know the formats we play, we I haven't played any block, and I don't know that I will. I, I haven't. Uh, it used to be one of my favorite formats, but um, I just haven't played it in a while. Okay. The, the one thing we should actually mention is that Emrakul the Eons Torn is going to be the pre-release card. So yeah. that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, and then what's the the release card? I forgot. What the it's release called. card is oh, Lord of Shadow Shatter Skull Pass. That's it. Yeah, Lord of Shatter Skull Pass is the uh, release release promo, and um, I mean it seems neat. So um, the three three for three and a red uh, Minotaur Shaman level up for a red and a colorless. Um, levels one through five. It's a six six. It becomes a six six. So that, that's so, pretty quick. A six six for a six six for six is is fine, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, but then level six plus, whenever Lord of Shadow Shatter Skull Pass attacks, it deals six damage to each creature defending player controls, and it's still a six six. So, yeah. So right. whenever it attacks, you you win. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's yeah. limited. Maybe. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely an interesting card. Um, I don't know if it's great, but anyway, that's the release promo. Um, so, yeah, so you go to your tournaments. Naturalize was uh, yeah. confirmed through the orb mm-hmm. as a reprint. Which, which is, is kind of useless against Eldrazi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Oh, Eldrazi. Eldrazi aren't artifacts? Oh, no, they're not. Oh, that's, <laughs> the well, that changes everything. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you knew that. <laughs> I, I wanted to tinker for them. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I actually, uh, you, you got to head out. Yeah. yeah so, okay. That's uh, thanks cool. a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. No definitely. Yeah, Dave, thanks for coming Thank out. Thank you very much. All right. So we're back um, in the car here. You get to hold this. Yeah. <laughs> I have to drive. We're we're in the car. We uh, Dave had to leave, and I have to get some stuff done. So we're just going to record the rest of this episode for about you know the, the next like 15 minutes or so uh, just in the car. So apologies for any poor audio, but I, I think we'll be all right. We'll be fine. We're, we've recorded in the car before. Just real quick, we wanted to uh, talk about uh, Grand Prix Brussels, which just happened uh, this past weekend. Um, it was standard, and um, the top eight, we, we actually, we, we don't have the names here right now, honestly, so sorry about that. But um, we do have the, um, like, what the final eight decks were. We had five Jun decks, we had two Mythic Ant, and we had one, I think it was Boss Naya. I didn't actually look at the list. I know it's Naya, though. Um, and the final match was between Jund and Mythic, and Jund won. Um, not sure in, in how many games, but um, anyway, it's still exciting to see uh, Mythic make it to the final table because, uh, you know, as, as Joe said uh, last week, that's a deck that I'm uh, rooting for, especially right. since I'm playing it. Exactly. Um, so... So exciting to see it uh, make it that far. Too bad he couldn't quite get there, but um, I don't know. 
uh, it's, that's, that's, that's just exciting. Did you want to mention the uh, one one notable thing to the main deck? Like yeah, the one notable thing. Well, first of all, the uh, the mythic bant decks that these guys were running um, both had completely different sideboards from the original uh, list that Zvi put out. Um, the let's see if I can remember the uh, sideboard offhand. It was like a Dauntless a Escort, two day, of day of judgment. two day of Judgment instead of one, uh, four full negates. Did I say four full? Yeah. Full four negates. Um, <laughs> some other stuff. Uh, two mind control. I think two mind control. Two vapor snare, which is an interesting choice because it helps enable the cobra turn after turn. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, just give you a couple more cobra uh, activations there. Right. Some landfall triggers. Yeah, exactly. Um, so overall, an interesting list. The most notable change to the main deck. Um, was that the two rampaging Baloths are gone and replaced with an extra Thornling and a Sphinx of Dwar Isle, which I thought was a great choice. And um, actually, I wound up... See, my, my Mythic deck runs two Elspeth, or ran three Elspeth until uh, I saw this list. Um, I've decided against the Thornling, so I'm going with two Elspeth and I'm going with two Sphinx. Um three Baneslayer, since I only own three, and cutting the uh, Battlegrace Angel budget fourth Baneslayer. Um, it's kind of neat, because I think um, I think Sphinx is a pretty neat fit for that deck. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of wondered if it would fit, like at the time when I was, when I was looking at it originally, um, you know, when I was building it, I just built it straight card for card off of, uh, off of Zvi's list, and right. I haven't even played with it yet, um, but... Um, I did think like, hmm, this this could play Sphinx, and it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a terrible addition. But. I think the Sphinx is a great choice, frankly, because with uh, you know, with so many, um, you know, so much removal going around. I mean, like, well, uh, think about like the the post sideboarded games against Jund. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was playing Mythic against Jund, they were having Doom Blades and Death Marks to answer all of my white threats. So to have the Sphinx in there, it's like, okay, answer this, bitch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of, I think that's a good choice. And plus the, um, while you can't pump it with Elspeth, um, you, it does hit all the Exalted triggers, you know? And yeah. there's nothing wrong with having a Finest Hour out and then having a Sphinx swing in for 12 damage that they can't, like, kill away at instant speed with something, you know? Right. It's nothing wrong with that at all, you know? So, um... Pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely going going for it. Um, I like the idea, and we're going to give it a run. Now, the one thing that Jun does have in its sideboard that could probably deal with it is um, Chain Reaction. I think I've seen some Jun decks running Chain Reaction in the board. <laughs> um, and that is a, you know, that's a pretty decent way to get rid of it. I love playing Magic. It's so fun. <laughs> Me too. So, uh, another event that was this weekend was Star City Games uh, Orlando Standard and Legacy event. I don't know what happened with Legacy. We don't True. follow it that much. I barely know what happened with the Standard portion of the event because I didn't follow the coverage too much other than on Twitter. But it, it sounds to me like um, Charles Gindy, uh, U.S. National Champ, won... Um, won that event, the standard event, with uh, Naya. I believe it was Boss Naya. Um, so congratulations to Charles Gindy for that. Um, pretty cool. 
Uh, I believe there was a blue-white control list in the top eight there, which is kind of cool. I think it's the first big uh, appearance in a top eight by the blue-white control list. Absolutely. Although, I'm not entirely sure how close it is to Chapin's list, or it could have been the blue-white counterless control. I haven't looked at the list, so... Right. Sorry if you were looking forward to hearing more about that. If you want to hear more about it, go to StarCityGames.com and read about it. Um, same with the uh, Grand Prix Brussels. Just go to DailyMTG.com and uh, it's right on the main page. Check out Grand Prix Brussels. So I guess uh, I think that should be about everything. We do have some show news to talk about a little bit. Um, let me just double check here. Um, I did want to mention that I found out yesterday um, that the Magic Cruise 3 is almost sold out. There are only five slots left for players um, to register for. The only other way, technically there's ten slots left, five of them can be purchased, and the other five have to be won via a cruise qualifier. So um, basically they only have 60 slots for players, 50 of them are sold, five are allocated to the qualifiers, and then there's five left. So if you are interested in going, you should get on that as soon as possible. The um, one thing, though, you can technically go on the cruise, you just won't be able to play in any of the sanctioned tournaments um, because they only have, you know, these allocated slots left. Um, but, you know, the cruise itself isn't entirely sold out. What you can do if you're interested in going and it, there are no slots left, you can go on the cruise and just hang out and play casually. Um, but if they need the space for the tournaments, they're going to kick you out of, the, out of your seat. Um, but there's plenty of other places to play casually on the, the ships. Um, the other back to that is if there are any um, special presentations like Chapin's talk or Ken Nagel's talk last year, um, those are technically off-limits to you as well if you haven't registered for the, the tournaments. So, in, uh, in some show news... Did you want to uh, mention our website that we just launched last week? Oh, man, we have a website now. Um, and eventually I'll get around to putting my blog posts on there as well. Um, it's, uh, okay, well, actually, did, did we even mention that we're going to be on O2Drop.com in all of that No, I was going to get to that too. So we're going to be on a few websites, including our own. Uh, so first of all, we want to mention uh, the launch of IWantMyMTG.com, um, which for the... Uh, the spry uh that is a uh it's another mtv reference another 80s mtv reference and um so we're excited to launch that um it, first of all it's a um you know it's going to be an amalgamation of both of our blogs which we think we uh, I, I mean joe's going to definitely keep his blog affinityforislands.com active so the posts will pretty much appear in both places and if he has something he wants to just say like off the M off the UMTG taps record, he can do so on his own blog. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep Otherworldly Journey up because um, I don't know. I might just link that blog into this blog. Um, but basically, if we if either one of us post blogs, it'll post there, which I feel is a way for you to get some more consistent updates from both of us. Right. You know what I mean? That way, like you're getting an update every time either one of us blogs on one thing rather than like just when I update or just when Joe updates. Um, so it's a way to keep up with us a little, uh, little easier. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and um, and just keep up with all the Yo MTG Taps news as far as like T-shirts or things that we're going to be covering or anything. So um, so if you are interested in that, just uh, bookmark IWantMyMTG.com. Oh. Yeah, or follow it in your Google Reader or whatever. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes for sure. Um, also, uh, we're going to be uh, starting with this episode. Starting with this episode, we're going to have our podcast appear on o2drop.com, um, which is a great way to get our podcast into the hands of uh, local players, and uh, you know, just a great way to help promote their site because they just do they. I think they do a great site. So, uh, so to all of our new O2 Drop listeners, welcome. Um, yeah, pretty exciting. Thanks um, for uh, thanks for giving us a shot. Yeah, definitely, Dave. Like, thanks a lot for uh, having us on there. Um, and also, uh, we should be appearing on the StarkingtonPost.com as well. Um, and it, obviously, Joe will edit this out if, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, if we're not on there. If we're not on there, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going down. So, um, so, so that's, yeah, welcome to any listeners from the Starkington Post as well, because that I believe started with last episode. Yeah. Um, episode 15 is the first episode that should be showing up on the Starkington Post. Um, so, yeah, we're getting some more... Uh, exposure. Exposure, that's the word. Yeah. I wanted. yeah. Uh, you know, in the magic community. So hopefully um, we'll get some more listeners. And any of you guys who are new listeners, welcome. And, uh, you know... Hope we haven't talked your ear off too bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's all pretty exciting. And, and um, anybody who wants stickers, let us know. Just email us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Any kind of uh, any feedback you'd like to give us, you can post it on um, on mtgcast.com right under the episode. You're allowed to post comments, but uh, you can email us. You can, um, if, if you would like stickers, send us your mailing address, um, and we'll send them out to you. T-shirts are in the works, still kind of trying to gather data. So, again, if you are interested in a T-shirt... Um, you know, again, you're not confirming or you're not committing to anything here. Just let me know if you would like one and what size you would order if you were to get one. So that way I can, uh, get a general idea of how many to order. Um, we will be at Grand Prix DC, which we will mention again in future episodes. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. And it it sounds like we may be gunslinging a little if we, uh, if we have the time. We'll also definitely be podcasting. So, uh, anybody who's there come up to us and say hello and we'll uh we'll chat mr scotty mack yeah like mr scotty mack definitely gonna be there he'll probably be on the damn podcast oh yeah i think he will too yeah definitely i think we're gonna have a lot of people um adam staborski from serious fun will be uh we'll be interviewing him he's the writer of serious fun on dailymtg.com awesome um so i hope i pronounced his name right Uh, and adam if uh if i didn't send us you know tweet at us and let us know how to pronounce your name you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash YoMTGTaps. You can find us on Facebook. Just search us up, YoMTGTaps. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. You can find follow me on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. You can check out Joe's blog, otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com, my blog, affinityforislands.com, or both, kind of, at uh, IWantMyMTG.com. Once I get around to merging my blog, we have a voicemail line. We do. It's 331-MTG-TAPS. So yeah. call and leave us a voicemail. Again, we forgot about it. We, we, we actually had two voicemails this week. So we, we'll have to get to those voicemails next episode. We've, uh, we've exhausted our time for this one. Next week, we'll have the voicemails to talk about. 
Also, I wanted to mention that Next Level Magic by Patrick Chapin is available now. It's uh, 420 pages, full color, and it is available on StarCityGames.com, so uh, go there and check it out. Thanks for listening.